Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 446 for June 7th, 2015. This week, between now and Labor Day, you'll probably take lots of pictures. Picnics, visits to the zoo, and maybe a vacation, and of course family get-togethers. But then what? Why not make a slideshow without the slides, the projector, and the screen? The cost of data breaches has increased dramatically over the past year. In short circuits, launch day for Windows 10 is now official, July 29th, and Amazon has a new program that ships even low-cost items for free. And it's spare parts only on the website, a follow-up on Android data usage, an examination of the popularity of tablet computers, and trying to apply technology to the battle for human rights around the world. Camera sales increase around this time every year, and once again near the end of the year. But whether you have a new camera or not, there's a good chance you'll use whatever camera you have more in the next few months. That's because you'll be outside more for recreation or on vacation. But then what? If you'd like to share your images with style, I have some good news. Possibly you'll make an online photo album or send copies of some of your pictures via email. Nobody sends printed pictures anymore. The trend, though, increasingly is toward creating video presentations that combine photos, transition effects, titles, and even home videos into the presentations that can then be shared on Vimeo or YouTube. I've been looking at the latest version of Magic's Photo Story Deluxe, and it looks like a winner for those who have experience cutting together videos. But it also looks like a winner for those people who think cut might be what happens if you walk down a dark alley and pan is something you cook a hamburger in. If you're in that latter camp, cut simply means an instantaneous transition from one image to another without any fading or other transition. And pan is a horizontal movement created by rotating the camera on its vertical axis. Now, Photo Story Deluxe does have a few annoyances, but the delights far outweigh them. And sometimes an annoyance leads to a delight. When I started using PhotoStory Deluxe, I couldn't find a simple crossfade transition. A simple crossfade transition. Every visual program has that effect, so where was it? The transitions panel had nothing but fancy effects, and I wanted just a plain, simple fade. But then I accidentally dragged one image partly onto another. The timeline suggested that that would create exactly what I was looking for, and when I played back that segment of my test program, that's exactly what it was, a simple crossfade. And the beauty of this approach is that image clips can be repositioned, extended, or shortened to control the length of the crossfade. Instead of having to deal with two clips and a transition effect that is applied on top of them, the user simply deals with two clips. PhotoStory offers three distinct views of any production you're working on. There's the overview that shows all of the images you're using. There's a storyboard that shows images in a single row. And the timeline. It's the most powerful view. 
It has up to eight tracks and will accommodate multiple overlapping images, effects, titles, and audio. And video, too, if you want. Each image's width on the timeline shows how long it'll be on the screen. Beginners will like the ready-made templates, more than 100 transition effects, titling effects, and audio clips, but as they gain experience, they'll start making their own or start productions with a blank slate. Those who are using the program under its 30-day trial will have access to a limited set of templates, effects, and clips. After paying for the program and registering, you'll be able to download all of the additional features. And if you choose to download, well, expect that process to take a little while. The combined files are around 7 gigabytes. Magix does offer the option of saving the installer files so that if you have to reinstall the program someday, you won't have to download everything again. A built-in wizard is the perfect assistant for new users. It takes over after the user has added photos to an existing layout and creates a finished presentation. Once you have that, it's possible to modify what the wizard created. As powerful as the wizard is, though, users will begin to move away from the wizard as they gain experience with the program and desire to do more of the work themselves to individualize it. You're also offered the choice when you start a new presentation whether to format it for standard screens or wide screens. Be sure to check out the TechBinder Worldwide website to see some of the images that show you how the program works. When the application opens, it displays a welcome dialog that asks whether you want to create a new program, open an existing program, or view an introductory video. First couple of times you open the program, I recommend watching the video. It's only a few minutes long, and it touches on many of the program's features. Unlike most applications that present an opening dialog such as this, though, PhotoStory closes if you close the dialog instead of making a selection. Some of the really powerful features are the ability to pan and zoom still photos. Documentation that describes how to use the camera zoom shot feature is lacking, and the program's dialog didn't help much. Once I figured out what the dialog box was trying to ask me, adding a Ken Burns effect to images turned out to be surprisingly easy. What I thought initially is that I could select a pan direction, and I'm using pan here to mean movement in any direction, even though that's not accurate, and I thought I could then set a from location and a to location. Well, that's not the case. You get to pick only one. Pick the direction, and you can choose any of the standard eight compass points, if you choose from, you start zoomed in and the image zooms out. Or if you choose to, you start zoomed out and zoom in. So direction, zoom out from, or zoom in to. Not a combination. Once you've made that choice, you have the option of applying the effect during the entire time the image is on the screen, waiting two seconds to start the effect, placing the effect in the center 30% of the time the image is on the screen, or manually setting in and out points. When combined with crossfades and other transition effects, this result can be dramatic. The management function for your video, audio, and pictures is powerful. Users add one image at a time to the presentation, or multiple images, or an entire directory full of images. The ability to add audio is both useful and easy. One or more audio tracks can be included, and you'll see them in the timeline view where you can increase or decrease the volume, fade them in, fade them out, shorten the clips as needed. And you can add an extra audio track to insert sound effects in addition to the music 
and still another for narration. Wave MP3, AUG, Vorbis, and WMA files are all supported. Users can also insert video clips that can be slowed, accelerated, or even played in reverse. AVI, DVAVI, Windows Media 9, MPEG-1, MPEG-2, and QuickTime are all supported video formats. PhotoStory Deluxe also includes photo editing and music editing functions. These aren't as powerful as dedicated photo and audio applications such as Photoshop and Audition, but they are surprisingly robust. The photo editor includes face recognition and the ability to remove facial blemishes and do other photo edits. So you create a slideshow. Then what? Well, you can show it on the computer screen, of course, but most people will probably want to share their presentations. PhotoStory Deluxe makes that easy. You can export the show to a CD, convert the presentations to a video, both DVD and video CDs are supported, and you can create video files that you can upload to YouTube or Vimeo or share on other online sites. And I did that. Check out the TechBiter Worldwide website and you'll see about 2 minutes and 30 seconds of pictures from the wilds, the Columbus Zoo's facility in the eastern part of the state. One caution, though. Beware of the installation. The installer not only offers to install an application called SimpliClean, but it will install it automatically unless you explicitly opt out. I don't like this process regardless of who uses it but it has become increasingly common both with open source applications and commercial software. Offers should be opt-in only. That is, the installer should offer the extra software and then install it only if the user takes some action to explicitly request it. That said, SimpliClean isn't malware, and if you want to remove it after accidentally installing it, the process is really easy. The bottom line for Photo Story Deluxe 2015, for cats, it is a great way to share your photos. It's difficult to think of an easier or more versatile way to create presentations from photos and videos. And actually, I would rate Photo Story Deluxe with five cats were it not for that Simply Clean installation. Or I'd give it 4.75 cats or maybe 4.95 cats, but I really hate the thought of splitting cats. Overall, it's an outstanding application. Just beware the installer. Three versions exist. There's PhotoStory Easy for $40, PhotoStory Deluxe for $90, and PhotoStory Premium for $130. The premium version includes PhotoStory Deluxe and Photo and Graphic Designer. You'll find additional details on the Magic's website. There is, of course, a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Crooks around the world want your data, and when they get it, the cost of fixing the problem will probably surprise you. The average cost of dealing with a data breach is now just a little less than $4 million. Granted, that number is for large organizations, but the costs are sufficiently high that they could put a small business out of business. If your company stores information about, oh, say, 5,000 clients and crooks break in, expect to incur expenses of about $150 per record. And for that company with 5,000 records, 
It costs would be $750,000. Is that enough to get your attention? Figures are provided by the Ponemon Institute in a report that's being distributed by IBM Security. The 2015 report examines two factors that affected the financial consequences of a data breach and also uncovered the three major reasons contributing to higher costs in 2015. The Ponemon report notes that the cost of a data breach drops when a company's board of directors plays a prominent role following that breach. And it appears that if a company can illustrate that it was trying to use best practices, the cost of the breach will also be reduced. According to the report, the existence of an incident response team cuts the per capita cost by $12.60. Encryption decreases the cost by $12. Employee training can shave off $8. And business continuity management can cut overall cost by about $7.10 per capita. So if you follow best practices, not only is your data safer, but if the worst happens, it'll cost less. As you might suspect, stolen health information records are the most expensive, $363 per record. But stolen education records are high-cost items, too, about $300 a record. Records stolen from retail organizations will cost the company about $165 per record. That's an increase of nearly 50% from last year. You can find the full report, by the way, on IBM's website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. The high cost of medical records is attributed to the long-term implications of breaches involving that kind of information. The information has a very long shelf life, meaning that data stolen today could be useful 10 or 15 years later. Looking at average costs from country to country, the cost per stolen record in the U.S. is about $217. In Germany, $211. As a result, U.S. companies would be looking at an average cost of about $6.5 million versus $4.9 million in Germany. Data breaches in Brazil and India carry considerably less cost to companies. The average cost per record is $78 in Brazil, $56 in India. The lower costs seem to be related to labor costs, which of course are lower in India and Brazil. The cost of data breaches continues to rise because the number of breaches continues to rise. Also, the financial fallout of lost customers adds to the cost, and companies are spending more to investigate and assess the problems. The report says that cybercrime and insider attacks are the most expensive, and here's some very discouraging information. It takes an average of 256 days for a company to spot a data breach caused by a malicious attack, and yes, that is nearly a year. Breaches that result from human error are usually found faster in about half a year. The research involved the collection of detailed information about the financial consequences of data breaches. For purposes of this research, a data breach occurs when sensitive, protected, or confidential data is lost or stolen and put at risk. Over a 10-month period, Ponemon Institute researchers conducted more than 1,500 interviews with IT, compliance, and information security practitioners representing some 350 organizations in 11 countries. In short circuits, Microsoft announced this week that Windows 10 will be available starting July 29th. You may already have seen an icon in the notification area of your computer. Click it and you'll be offered the opportunity to sign up for the free upgrade. 
That happened as expected on a notebook computer of mine, but not on the desktop. My prediction was probably late June or sometime in July. Well, the 29th of July does qualify as sometime in July, but my guess was hardly a direct hit on the real date. The free upgrade does not apply to the Enterprise version of Windows 7 or 8, and unfortunately that's what's on my desktop system. So it appears that I'll be one of the lucky folks who will need to download Windows 10, format the hard drive, and then perform a clean install. After you apply online, if you're lucky, Microsoft will send you an email explaining what will happen next. Microsoft is trying to build excitement about the new Windows version, and what I've seen from the technical preview suggests that most of the company's claims are based on fact. Windows 10 starts and shuts down faster than previous versions of Windows. All right, it's still not as fast as Linux in that regard, but the performance is improved. The new browser called Edge is a big improvement over Internet Explorer. I'll probably continue to use Firefox and Chrome most of the time, though. The digital assistant, Cortana, is an interesting addition, particularly for those of us who have more than one Windows device, even more so for those six people in the world who actually have Windows phones. And the next step will be Office 2016, which eliminates some of Office 2013's rough edges. The Office suite applications will all be universal Windows applications, meaning they will understand the capabilities of whatever device they're running on and will adapt themselves accordingly. If you purchase a Windows 8.1 device between now and the end of July, Microsoft says you will of course be able to upgrade to Windows 10 for free and easily, and that many retail stores will help you upgrade those new devices. I needed something from Amazon this week. It was a low-cost item in the $5 range. Usually items like that either aren't available for two-day Amazon Prime shipping, or they're marked with an add-on icon, meaning that two-day free shipping is available only if the item is part of a larger order. My sub-$5 order was eligible for free two-day shipping, and there was no add-on icon. What's going on here? It seems that Amazon has made thousands of low-cost items eligible for a new program and with no conditions. Now, how much profit can you make on an item that sells for $5 when you have to buy the item, stock it, have someone pick it and prepare it for shipping, and then pay the post office or a shipping company or both to deliver it? Obviously not much, but Amazon seems to think the cost of the program is worth the goodwill it will earn Amazon. And there's more. Free shipping applies to everyone, not just Amazon Prime customers. If you're not a Prime customer, you won't get it in two days, but you also won't pay for shipping. This can't be making eBay very happy because eBay tells its merchants how important free shipping is. And how about this? Some customers will soon be able to get same-day free shipping as part of Amazon Prime. That'll apply only to customers who live in large cities that have nearby Amazon warehouses. So maybe if the company simply doesn't lose any money on the transaction, or doesn't lose very much, it's still worthwhile. After all, how many times have you considered buying something online only to find that handling and delivery will cost 
twice as much as what you want to buy. The new program is primarily for lightweight items, up to 8 ounces or so, and shipments will come from a special warehouse in Florence, Kentucky. I wasn't the first person to encounter this new program, by the way. It seems that Amazon rolled it out on a test basis about three months ago, and is just now rolling it out for everybody. Also for everybody, and only on the website, spare parts. A follow-up on my report about Android data usage, an examination of the popularity of tablet computers, and trying to apply technology to the battle for human rights around the world. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.